All right, we're in Psalm 144 this morning as we work our way through the book of Psalms. Psalm 144, and if you're new or visiting, or if you're young in the Lord, the, the Psalms are songs. They were literal songs, and when we read them, we kind of read them as poetry or as a book or a letter. They were literal songs. And so once again, we're going to see that David, Psalm 144, a psalm of David, uh, orchestrated this through the Holy Spirit. And David, again, remember he lived at 1000 BC, so 3000 years ago. And then get your Bibles ready, get your notepads ready. We're going to go through a lot of scriptures this morning. I encourage you to write them down. Very applicable study this morning. Father, we thank you for being so good to us, and we continue in our worship of you, Father. Um, we just don't need another Bible study. That's really the last thing we need. We need a heart transformation. And so, Father, we bring our, our hearts, our souls, our minds. We pray for alertness, and we pray that you would uh, get those things out of our minds that might be clouding our minds about this afternoon or this week or... Maybe the craziness of this past week, uh, an unpaid bill, a, a stressed relationship, whatever the case may be. Father, we want to focus right now on this love letter. You have a plan and a purpose for these next 40 minutes. And Lord, we don't want to waste it. So Father, I pray for the gift of teaching. And Lord, that you would be glorified in and through your word this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, as I've mentioned before, David fled from King Saul for roughly, it's estimated for roughly up to 10 years. For 10 years. And 1 Samuel 31 and 1 Chronicles 10 gives us a story of how King Saul actually died his last battle while fighting the Philistines. And, and upon Saul's death, David now became the second king of Israel. And King David ruled over the two southern tribes for seven and a half years. And then the other ten tribes came and submitted to David. And he ruled over all twelve tribes for thirty-three more years, so forty years. And it was probably after the northern tribes joined forces with David that he wrote this song or this psalm. You see, God used David to establish Israel in the land, and David created unity amongst the 12 tribes. But as the song goes, Israel still had problems from the surrounding nations. So Psalm 144, a psalm of David, Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war. And my fingers for battle, my loving kindness and my fortress. Now, as David is saying this, he's saying to God, not, not my, but me, personal, no, about you, God, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. You see, David really loved to use powerful descriptions about his God. And why did he do that? Because David didn't trust in himself. He trusted in God. And this is easy to say for all of us this morning. But again, as I do on a regular basis, I have to question my own trust in God. Do I really trust God? 
It's easy to trust God on the good days. Do I really trust God when I get that negative report? Or again, as I mentioned earlier, maybe a relationship is stressed or strained. Do I really trust God? But he trusted in God and God's abilities. And this is the key here because most of our trust is based upon us. I mean, when you go to your workplace, you trust that you can do the job. And then your employer sees that you can do the job and you get to retain your job. And you may even get an interview and you may even get a raise or a promotion. And so unfortunately, that creeps into our spirituality that we start to trust ourselves and put God kind of like, well, God, I got this one. I got this one. You, You can just help everybody else. I got this one. We never want to get in that place. And then we also might question, well, you know, I I just can't witness to people. I have a hard time witnessing to people, or I I have a hard time sharing the gospel, or I have a hard time loving people, or I have a hard time being patient with people. And we rattle these things off that we have a hard time with. Why do we have a hard time with those things? Because we trust in ourselves. Or we don't trust in ourselves. And we have to learn, we have to build that trust in God. That God can give me the ability to witness. Are we all going to be Billy Graham? No. (laughs) No. But you have a sphere of influence that four, six, eight, ten people that are around you, that are watching you, you are a living epistle. You are walking out the gospel in your life. They're looking for hope, guys. The world is looking for hope. The world is looking for peace. The world is looking for love. The world is looking for forgiveness. We carry that via the Holy Spirit. And so David realized, I can't trust in myself, but I'm going to trust in God. And I'm going to trust in God's abilities working through me. God's abilities working through me. Now as we see verse 1, Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battles. You know, this is a topic that Christians have a hard time addressing. You see, no one likes the idea of war, and no one likes the idea of training for war, designing weapons for war, planning for war, and then executing those plans. But there is a spiritual enemy at work, and he desires to destroy God's promises. He desires to destroy God's promises for mankind found in his word. You see, there is also no argument that wars will continue and in some cases are justified. For example, Israel was and still is under a threat of annihilation to this day. And if you're doing the daily reading, and and some of you have different daily readings, and that's fine, but in the one that we have, you actually see today in the day of reading this morning as I was doing my devotions for me, not for you, for me, that the Philistines are coming against Israel. Not to give them a basket of bread. To wipe them out. So this is why David says, my hands, you've trained my hands for war, my fingers for battle. I need to, I need to be there for the nation. You see, wars will continue until the millennial reign of Christ. And it will be at that time that weapons will no longer be sought after because Jesus will bring a peace to this earth that has never been seen before. You see, believers one day will rule and reign with him for 1,000 years, and that's without the threat of war. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. 
It's a very sad reality. War, rumors of war, threats of war. But during that millennial reign of Christ, Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and if you're newer visiting, the team always does a great job of throwing slides up to help you get familiar with your Bible. I encourage you to have a Bible, get used to that Bible. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Notice very specifically here, Judah and Jerusalem. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. Notice that all nations. Has this happened yet? No. So the latter days have not come to pass yet. But there is going to come a time where all nations shall flow into it. Many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. That's phenomenal when you think about it. We know the whole story. We have the whole story on our laps. We know who this is going to be. This is going to be Jesus ruling and reigning from Israel, specifically from Jerusalem. And the nations, those humans who survived the great tribulation, because there are going to be humans, saints, believers, that are going to survive the great tribulation, they're going to go into the millennial reign of Christ with a free will, with a brand new society, pre-Noah, I believe pre-Noah society where the whole earth is going to be like Hawaii. They're going to be living three, four, five, six, seven hundred years. No, thank you. But that's how long they're going to be living for. Their bodies are going to be perfect, so to speak. If someone dies at a hundred years old, they're going to say, wow, he was just a child. hundred years old, he was just a child. It's just as hard for us to grasp. So these people are going to be able to go to Jerusalem. Right now, we long to be with Jesus and ask him questions and hear from him. We have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. But in that day and age, we will be able to take people with us. Oh, you got, oh, well, let's go ask Jesus that question. Really? We can go ask Jesus? Yes, let's go to Jerusalem and ask Jesus. That's what's going to be taking place. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Now, again, this is just hard for us to comprehend. But if people are living like they did pre-Noah, if they're living three, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred years, and they're having babies, 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 the population by the end of the millennium could easily be where it is today, if not even more. And we're going to be ruling and reigning with Jesus in a peaceful society where nations will not be seeing how we can kill each other. Because we'll be saying, there, ah, 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 no, 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 that doesn't fly around here. No, you're not doing that. We'll be ruling and reigning with Jesus. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither, here's the key, which is a sad commentary for today, but this is just reality. Neither shall they learn war any more. Just a sad reality, guys. But we need people, unfortunately, because of Hitler's, as an example. 
if we hadn't stopped that, if the world had not stopped that, what would have taken place? It would have continued to kill people. So I don't want to get into a political debate or any of that nonsense. Don't want to come up after me afterwards because I'm not going down that road. But I'm just saying there, there is a balance. And you're going to see why. You see, since wars will continue on this side of the millennium, what is the one of the main spiritual wars for the believer and the church? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Because you could debate all day long and get nothing done. Or you could go to the scriptures and see what we should do. I'm going to reference... 1 Peter chapter 2 and also Romans chapter 13. And we're going to be speaking of Peter and Paul. Peter and Paul. And so Peter writes, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Notice that. As a testimony of Christ. As a testimony of God. Whether to the king as supreme. (laughs) And this wasn't King Trump here. This was Nero. This guy was half-baked. He was killing Christians at this time. He was nuts. And what does the Holy Spirit inspire Peter to write? Peter, get people together and start picketing Rome. Start getting letter-writing campaigns going. Start marching in the streets. Not that we shouldn't do that. But go back to the word of God to see what we really should be doing. And how much time do we actually spend doing that? Or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Now you might say, well, that's not happening. Well, I'm not saying it is. But don't forget our call. Why is it maybe not happening? Maybe because the people that are picketing and letter writing and doing all these other things aren't even bothered praying for them. They're not even bothered praying for them. They're too busy writing letters. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may be put, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men or the unknowing. Foolishness there is unknowing. Abortion would be a classic topic today. As free, yet not losing, using liberty as a cloak for vice. But as bond servants of God, honor all people. You think anybody's reading this in Congress? If they are, they're not getting it, because most of them aren't believers, so we can't expect them to get it. But if they became believers... And then they read their Bible, we wouldn't be seeing happening what we're happening, what's happening today in this divisive nation. Trying to tear our nation apart. The enemy's behind the scenes working. Honor all people, love the brotherhood. Fear God or reverence God. God's got a plan. Honor the king. (laughs) Honor the king. Come on, Peter, you don't mean that. Come on. Let's look at Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Verses 1 through 7. Paul writes, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Please don't come up and ask me any questions, because I'm not God. (laughs) I don't know why he allows certain things to happen and not happen. I just read the word... I trust the word, and I'm going to trust God. I probably will not have an answer for you. 
God has a, is way smarter than I am, ever will be. So there's a plan and a purpose behind these things. Therefore, whoever resists the authority, notice here, resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore you must be subject. Not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this you also pay taxes... For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Interesting that these verses would come up during tax time. April 15th, right? It's coming up. Pay taxes. Don't cheat. Render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Custom to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Guys, that's the word of God. Don't come up and argue with me about the word of God. That's just the word of God. Now physically as well as spiritually speaking, there is something that is very applicable for us believers that we can relate to these verses. We need to be training our minds and hearts because we can read those verses and just blow it off. Well, that's I'm not doing that. It doesn't apply to me. I'm 59. They can't call me up anyway, so I don't care. No. We need to be training our minds and our hearts for the spiritual battle that is taking place for the souls of mankind as well as the deception that is coming upon the church in these last days. Big C. Got a verse here. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4. Let no one deceive you by any means. What is the enemy's number one tactic according to Revelation chapter 12? Deception. That's his number one tactic. He wants to deceive everyone on the face of the earth, Christian and non. Are we seeing this deception coming upon the church? Big C. Yes. Why? Because they're not reading from Genesis or Revelation and taking a stand for God. They want to be politically correct. They want to be socially correct. They don't want to offend anybody. Don't talk about sin. Don't talk about living together. Don't talk about homosexuality. Don't talk about adultery. Don't talk. No, no, don't talk about those things. We might offend somebody. Let's love them to hell instead. That's the lie. That's the deception. Let's love them to hell. Let's get our buildings full and love them to hell. No. Unless the coming, unless the falling away comes first. I personally believe we are in that falling away. We are going the road of, of Europe 150 years ago. Go over to Europe and check out the cathedrals. Coffee shops, mosque, mothballed buildings. We are going the same direction. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And as you read it all, that's a whole study in and of itself. There is going to be a temple. There is going to be a tribulation. He's going to go up. The Antichrist is going to set himself up in there. But for you and me, guys, we need to be aware of the deception that's coming upon the church. It's coming into our families. You have to deal with this. I have to deal with this. 
homosexuality, fornication, drunkenness, drugs. This is just reality. So do we place our children or grandchildren above the word of God? Because we love them too much? No, you don't love them enough if you place them above the word of God. Nothing gets above the word of God. Nothing ever. Your mate, your children, nothing ever gets above the word of God. You and I, we have to stick with the word of God. How about Ephesians chapter 6? You see, for us as believers, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to prepare our hearts for that spiritual battle that takes place on a regular basis in our lives. Don't get caught up arguing, as we're talking about this morning, about wars and rumors of wars. Don't get caught up in all the conspiracy theories. There's not a conspiracy theory. Read your Bible. It's all mapped out in the Bible. Everything that the Bible preaches and teaches and prophesies about is going to come to pass. It's not a big conspiracy. Better yet, do what we should be doing in Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in Jim and in the power of Jim's might. Put on the whole armor of God. Doesn't your Bible say that? Feel free. Let's read that verse out loud. And I want you to do is I want you to place your name in that verse. Okay? Ready? Say, say it out loud. Finally, my brethren, be strong in Jim and in the power of Jim's might. Doesn't that sound nasty? Failure, failure, failure. But what do we do? We fall back to ourselves, right? Because we trust in ourselves. We trust in ourselves. Or we don't trust in ourselves. But we fall back to ourselves. What are we supposed to do? Put on the whole armor of God. And you know these verses probably from Sunday school. Or maybe you're new to the faith and these are the first time you're going to hear these. But Paul, who's chained to a Roman soldier and is very familiar with the Romans goes through and he shows the armor of a soldier. And that we are to put on that armor, but spiritually speaking. And so don't get hung up in the physical aspects of this life that are going to happen. Wars are going to continue to happen. The scriptures share that with us. But there's a spiritual battle for your soul. Can't take away your salvation, but he can ruin your testimony. And he wants to get you so caught up in this world today that you don't minister to those who are perishing, you and me. So we got to keep our focus right. we got to keep it clear. For you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Who would that be? Satan and the fallen angels. That's who we're literally wrestling against. But how are we doing that? And if we are, how are we doing that? Well, if you are doing that, you need to be in your word every single day on a regular basis, memorizing, meditating, quoting. Because I use Jesus as my example. When Satan came to tempt him, the God, little g of this world, when Satan came to tempt Jesus, Jesus didn't pray. Jesus didn't get the latest book on psychology. Jesus didn't call for counselors. Jesus quoted word perfect the word of God because in Matthew the second temptation Satan quoted the word of God he misquoted it but he quoted it 
So you have to know the word so well that when Satan comes and whispers in your ear, but I love you and we're married in God's eyes. We don't need no piece of paper. Bells are going off. Whistles are going off. And you're running like Joseph. (laughs) Wrong, 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 wrong. You're deceiving me. You don't love me. You lust me. I don't need you. Goodbye. And you don't. You don't need that individual. Therefore, because of these things, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Are we in an evil day? Yeah. So how are we going to stand? By taking up the whole armor of God, which is the word of God. And having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore. Jeez, do you think Paul's making a point here? In the days that he's living in? In the original 60s? Against Nero? He's making a point here. Suck it up. Put on the armor of God and stand. You're living in evil days. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And having shod your feet with the preparation of gospel and peace. Above all take the shield of faith. With which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. Pretty good description isn't it? Praying always. With all prayer and supplication. Prayer there is big. Lord bless the Sunday school this morning. Just bless the Sunday school. Bless the volunteers. Bless the teachers. Bless the Sunday school. But Lord I really want you to bless Joe. Because he's got my son. And my son is just off the charts. God bless Joe and help my son to behave. So you have prayer. And then you have supplication. Okay. That's what prayer and supplication is all about. In the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints. Guys, this is our battle right here. I grieve over the other battles, but this is even a more important battle. Because if we send men and women off to war without the gospel, and they give their lives for us, which men and women are doing, guys. We have what we have today because men and women are doing that. Without the gospel and they die, that is more grieving than them winning the battle and coming back home and living out their lives and then going to hell. So we need to be praying for our chaplains and our brothers and sisters in Christ in the military that they would have boldness to proclaim the gospel because guys, men and women are not coming home alive. That's a fact. We don't like it, but that's a fact. And so for you and me, we've got to remember what our role is in this whole thing. Just as there will continue to be military battles on this earth, there will be spiritual battles as well. And they can affect every believer throughout any given day. Did any of you believers this week, you unbelievers, you don't get it, so you're not going to understand this, but did any of you believers have any spiritual battles this past week? Raise your hand if you had a spiritual battle this past week. That's just life, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? We all go through it. So don't think you're all alone. Almost all of you raise your hand. This is just reality. So as David's hands were prepared to protect Israel, God's sheep, let us prepare our minds and hearts so that we might be ready for the battle. I'm just going to throw up some quick scriptures here for time's sake. Write them down or take a picture of them. 1 Timothy 1.18. 
This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. Notice that. We are in a spiritual battle. The church is going the way it's going because the church is not on its knees praying and the church is not following the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Next one, John. First Peter 5, 8, and 9. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, and not just the devil, because he can only be in one place at one time. Let's not give him a bunch of credit. He's a fallen angel. But there are a third of the heavenly host that fell with him. Walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. You and me. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Resist him. How about the next one? James 4, 7. Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. You see, guys, we have a role in this. We have a responsibility. We just can't sit back as wimpy Christians and hope that everything works out okay. How about 1 Timothy 6.12? Fight the good fight of faith. Guys, do you realize right now in America today that you are in a battle for the faith? Maybe even your faith amongst your children or grandchildren or neighbors or coworkers? That if you compromise on the faith, who else do they have? Who else do they have? Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called. Guys, it just popped into my mind. I've shared this before, but when I was at Motorola, four children at home. When I got home, there was no study time. I had to play. I had to relieve my wife of her duties. She was devastated by the time I got home because she homeschooled through eighth grade. And so my reading time was at lunchtime. That's when I had my devotional time. I just, that was it. I didn't play chess. I didn't read the newspaper. I I had my devotional time at lunchtime. But you know, there were some people that actually noticed that. And I don't, I'm not, you know, this puff up gym. That's not, that's nonsense. That's not where I'm going. I'm trying to give you an example. And actually two people got saved that were in my sphere of influence. Not because I was Billy Graham standing on my station and beating the word of God into them. Because that's not what I was hired to do. I was hired to work, to be the best employee on the job site. And that's a testimony of your Christian faith. But you have no idea, guys, who's watching you. And who you might lead to Christ. Because you stand fast in the faith. You don't, you don't take extended breaks. You don't take extended lunch hours. You don't leave early when the boss is not around. You're not using the company computer for your own time. You're not checking your Facebook every 10 minutes. Or you're not checking Instagram. Well, I wonder what so-and-so is eating right now. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what you're eating. Give it up. Do a devotion on your break time instead. You'll go a lot deeper with your devotional than you will with Facebook. Stay in the word of God, guys. You see, as we do these things, as we fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses, and then it goes on to talk about Jesus in front of Pontius Pilate. The faith, the faith, the faith. You see, guys, God will grant us the victory 
as we submit our lives to him. So Psalm 144. David grasped this frail life even though he was the king of Israel. Position or status means nothing to death. And he saw this through King Saul who had it all. Lord, what is man that you should take knowledge of him? Or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Man is a breath, like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Verses 5 through 8, the nations surrounding Israel, they were speaking lies against David. So David prays that God would strike them down speedily in verses 5 through 8. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is a hand of falsehood. And again, remember, the right hand is symbolic of strength. So spreading lies about King David. Verses 9 and 10, David loved to create songs, so David was going to sing a few, some new verses about God's deliverance from his enemies in verses 9 through 10. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you. The one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David, his servant, from the deadly sword. Again, most likely this was written after they were united. He had seen King Saul win battles. He was not king at the time. So what king might he be referencing here? King Saul. But he also saw, didn't see, but he also heard how King Saul fell because he left God. He left God and sought his own ways, which caused him to fall. Verses 11 through 15, Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. That our sons may be as plants growing up in their youth. That our daughters may be as pillars. You see, David longed to see his children grow up in the ways of the Lord. And you know, it's so sad what is taking place in our school system today. The school system is having a hard time teaching our children to read and write. Yet they want to teach them about one of the most sacred and most important aspects of our society, marriage. The public school system is subtly and not so subtly promoting sexual content into the classroom even starting in kindergarten in order to do what? You never change the society from the top down. Never. Those old people, they're stuck in their ways. They're going to die. Who cares about them? You never do that. You always, always, always start with the youth. Always start with the youth. Do a little study on nuns. Not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S, nuns. Those are the 15 to 25-year-olds right now who want nothing to do with church, who want nothing to do with church. And guys, that's why we invest in our children here and in our junior high and our high school. 
We don't want them to leave. We want them to know that God loves the sinner, but is not going to tolerate the sin. And not call out one specific sin is worse than the other sin, because sin is sin. But guys, it's up to you and me as believers. Where's the? Ch- I go back to the earlier comment. Where's the church in Europe? Where are the parents that passed on the heritage to their children and to their grandchildren and to their great-grandchildren? Where are they? They didn't. And that's why there's no church in Europe or very small church in Europe. And there are revivals in certain places. There are people... You know where the most revival is happening right now? Muslim countries. China. People are coming to Christ. Jesus is appearing to them in visions. Nah, that can't happen. Really? I'm not going to question it. It's God. And and the Bible says that God takes no delight in the destruction of the wicked. So if he wants to appear in a vision, so be it, God. Save them, however you want to save them. Jesus is appearing to them in vision. They're seeing that vision because they are so spiritual and they're so sincere about their faith. They're sincerely wrong, but they are sincere. Then they seek out a Christian. This is what they're doing. They're seeking out a Christian. They're saying, I had a vision of Jesus. And then this Christian is leading this Muslim to Christ. In America, eh, who needs God? We got the stock market. Who needs God? I got a job. Who needs any of that? No, things are going fine. Be aware. Be aware of what is being taught to your children, guys. Got a slide here. Be aware of what is being taught to your children. Do you know as a teacher, as a parent, do you, John, you want to throw up that slide? Be aware. Do you know as a, as a parent, do you know what's going on with your children in their school? Just yes or no? You got the answer in your brain right now. So whatever that answer is, if you're content with your children being at school for eight hours a day and you got them for four hours, which has to be baths and dinner and playtime, and you think that you're going to debug the program in that half hour that you might spend with them talking about Jesus, it's not going to happen. You need to be involved. You need to be involved. And if you're not involved, well, you're throwing your kids to the dogs. Be aware of what is being taught to your children for there is an agenda about sexual orientation taking place and it's not a biblical one at all. That's just reality. I love school teachers. I pray for school teachers. We have school teachers in this church here. Thank God for school teachers, but that's not the agenda of the school system. Unfortunately. Verses 13, that our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and tens of thousands in our fields, that our oxen may be well laden, that there be no breaking in or breaking out. You see, David also prayed for the abundance of crops and herds. And and as you read the word, there's a direct correlation between a nation that serves God and his blessing upon that land. Wherever a nation has made God their central focus, they have prospered. But once a nation takes their eyes off God, that nation decreases in influence and starts to have serious problems. Hence, look at America. That there be no breaking in or going out, that there be no outcry in our streets. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. You see, David prays here that there be no outcry in the streets, which means if there is proper judgment taking place, then the streets will be a safe place to walk. Happy means blessed. It's plural. How happy or how blessed is such a nation that has all of these things going for them? Blessed will that nation be, got a slide, 
Blessed will that nation be who makes God the center of their culture. Blessed will that nation be. This is not happening, so just put your name there. Blessed will you be as you make God the center of your culture. Blessed will you be. You will be blessed. If that is true, what is the opposite? How unhappy or how cursed will a nation be when that nation forsakes the only true God? See, as we look at the psalm here, it's now the, now at the end of his life, David did see these blessings take place and his son Solomon ascended to the throne. You see, David was a mighty man of war. He conquered those who came against him. King Solomon had rest on every side of Israel, had plenty of money, vast amount of food. He had anything that their heart could desire. Matter of fact, he had it all. Yet even though he had it all, Think about this, guys. Silver in Solomon's day was counted as nothing. Ah, silver piece. Throw it on the... It's like a penny today. Ah, nothing. Start throwing silver around. You're going to see people jump on that stuff really fast around here. Solomon's day? Nothing. Who cares about it? He still walked away from God for a season towards the end of this life. You can read it in your Bible. Married a bunch of women. Worshipped false gods actually built altars for those false gods. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. Not real bright. Why? Because he left God. Don't think this can never happen to you. I don't think it can ever happen to me, because it could. If I leave the word of God, if I stop praying, if I stop fellowshipping, if I stop doing all of those things that I do in my life, I would go the way of everybody else, the world. That's my flesh. I have flesh just like you. You see, this is what it takes. It takes us back to the spiritual battle that we all need to get geared up for, prepared for, ready for. It will happen. It will happen. And only those who trust and rely upon the word of God wholeheartedly, those will see the victory. For those of you who have a spouse or someone who's gone to the women's retreat, when they come home, spiritual battle is going to happen. Be prayed up, have the house in order, have the kids nice and taken care of, make sure they're still all alive. <laughs> Greet mom, maybe with some flowers, Costco's bashes. You guys all know what's right before the checkout counter, right? Have you ever noticed that? They don't have the milk right before the checkout counter. They have the flowers right before the checkout. The milk's all the way in the back of the store. Don't have your wife a gallon of milk. Flowers, maybe. Father, we thank you and praise you for what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, maybe we just need a kick in the pants because we're not in the spiritual battle at all. We're too busy about our own lives, thinking about ourselves and, and what we want to do and when we want to do it and how we're going to make it happen. Lord, help us to wake up and see the spiritual depravity that this country is in. And that you and I, Father, as believers, we need to be involved. We need to be involved in the spiritual battle that's taking place. Uh, Father, we're not going to start, we're not going to end physical wars. The Bible makes that perfectly clear. But we can defend what's happening in our own hearts and our own minds through the Word of God and through prayer. We can defend our loved ones from the spiritual battles that they go through. 
Lord, we lift up uh, Pastor Mike and his wife, Rochelle, as they are going through a spiritual battle, Father. We lift them up and ask that you would comfort them and strengthen them. And she knows your son. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for that. What a living hope that is, but it's still going to be so sorrowful, so hard on the kids. Comfort them, Lord. And Father, give us wisdom as we go down this week, as we go out into our mission field. The church leaves this building. This is going to burn someday. Father, as the church goes out, we want to go out in power and strength. So help us to go over these verses again and to have that power and strength in our own lives. That we'll be ready for the battle. That we'll have the whole armor of God on. This armor is not just for a little Sunday school child. This is for us. Paul was writing to adult believers. This spiritual battle, this armor is for us. Help us to be ready for the battle. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, I think Joe, are you in the house? Joe, you going to come up? Joe's going to come up for a few minutes. and You want to come up here you want me to come down there? You come up here. All right. So Joe's going to come up, and he asked me this past week, He, he uh, we were talking on the phone, he asked if he could share a little testimony. And so uh, Joe's going to come up. He leads the Saturday morning men's Bible study, him and his wife Karen. Karen does the uh, bookstore out there, Faithful Flock, Faithful Member of the Flock. Go ahead, brother. Morning, brothers and sisters. Um, yeah, I've, I've been um, concerned about the daily reading of God's word and I just wanted to share my testimony about 10 years ago I started reading the word of God daily and struggled through it um, you guys probably get that program that we have here in the uh, tide boxes on the side and I tried and and I did it and I go Whew, praise the Lord but um, anyhow it was hard and so what I've, what I've done is I've searched for a, a program that would better fit my mentality and uh, still read through the Bible in the year because it's very important. And what God brought to my mind was, if you guys have your sword, turn to Luke 12, 15 through 21. And I'm just going to read it. If you don't get there fast enough, that's okay. Then he said, Jesus God, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told me a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have enough room for all my stuff. I paraphrase that. Um, Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and all my stuff. And then I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. This, This is kind of the mindset of most people these days. That's what we want. We, we want to be able to eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to me, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, 
A person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. You cannot have a rich relationship with God, and I'm using myself as an example, without reading his word daily, without learning his heart, because he shares his heart in every scripture that we read. So I'm just admonishing you and encouraging you. Read his word. Pastor Durrell calls his Wednesday night uh, attendees Bible scholars. And I want you to know something. If you read God's word daily, you have just stepped into Bible scholarshipism by the grace of God. Love you. Thank you, Matt. We're just going to sing the last two verses of Rock of Ages. Nothing in my hand I bring. Yeah, let's all stand. I like what Joe said. Uh, when he first started reading the word, it was a struggle for him. You know, when I first started playing piano, it was a struggle for me. And every day when I would practice, I didn't realize that I was getting better. Um, but I could look back maybe three years after I had played and I went, wow, I'm doing things that I can't believe that I'm doing. Or I used to struggle with this and now I'm doing that. Well, the Word of God is the same way. As you read the Word of God, maybe on a day-to-day basis, you don't realize that the Holy Spirit is growing strong in you. But as you get further and further, you look back and you see where God has taken you. And it's pretty amazing. So um, I want to encourage you to stay in the word. You may struggle through it, but you're going to look back and you're going to be blessed in obedience. Nothing in my hand I bring. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling Make it come to thee for dress Helpless look to thee for grace Foul I to the fountain fly Wash me, Savior, or I die Wash me, Savior, or I die When my eyes shall close in death When I rise to worlds unknown 